This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Um, the topic we're going to speak about is the um, cure of, for everybody, so to speak. It sounds almost as if this would be befitting for a, a cure professional type of convention or something. But really, if um, if we look into the parshas of this week, we're really going to see that there's an element of it that really is relevant to every single person, and everyone needs to understand um, what is his obligation in that world, and why it is and how he can go about doing it. It's an obligation that is part and parcel of our core mission. And um, and that's why it's not something only for those that are capable, but it's something in general for every single person who's a Maimon. Let's start with the Rambam, who um, uncharacteristically in Hilchas Avodah gives us a very, very long Introduction to laws of Adizar. It's something fascinating, as it may be, um, because the Rambam in, in the Mishnah Torah never gives long, drawn-out introductions. There's also no need for introductions, and we don't have to introduce the halachas and machalas asuris by explaining that people would eat all sorts of animals, not shech them, and eat the blood and, and, and the chelav. Obviously, that that's normal, and then people would. Um, Come and then our came and gave us Torah, and we have to eat what's kosher. That's an obvious. What was there before Torah is quite simple. So why in Avodah does he spend a full parak giving us the entire history of the world as it came to Avodah So that point, I, I would like to think as follows. It has nothing to do with the rest of our talk, but it's certainly an important point in its own right. I think the Rambam was bothered by a question. How it is that people ate chaza is quite understandable. Chaza was mutter to everyone. Everyone could eat chaza. The Torah came along and gave us a special ketusha of eating only the things that are min tahar and mitzchita, etc. Avodah is built on a mistake. Adam Arishan was extraordinarily aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and one would assume his children were also aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and so on. Um, so how did Avodah get started? If Avodah is not true, where did it get started from? Had there been a real gilui to Avram Avinu, and Avram Avinu would be really aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where did things change? That, I think, is why the Rambam gives that hakdam, which is fine. And that and that explains the whole first half of that peric, that the, it goes on with how the world slowly deteriorated, and first they they gave covered to other beings, and then they began worshipping them, then they began being misfiled to them, and so on and so forth. Fine. He then turns to Avram Avinu how he realized the mistake, which could also be seen sort of complementary to this. But then he says, then he starts, what did Avram Avinu do? He says he, he recognizes one God, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to him, and we would assume the Rambam should start, should stop at that point, and then go on to Elchazavarazar. The Rambam says that Avraham Avinu went around the world 
proclaiming loud and clear that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one, Nevada Zara is nonsense, and explaining how the mistake came about, and so on. Why is it important for us to tell us that in Ramavos Avodazara? Um, if it would be sort of a, a chapter about Avram Avinu, Musash was of Avram Avinu, wonderful deeds of Avram Avinu, then definitely this is this counts right on top, and so on. But we're talking about um So stick to the point, which is how Vodazara came to being, how it was refuted, and then Torah gave us all the commandments about, you know, Zavodazara. What's this piece about, um, you, you know, going out and uh, going out and being uh, makar um, of the world and telling the world and so on? The Rambam also interprets the pasuk by Yikra B'Shem Hashem, which says a few times about um, Avram Avinu. Um, the Targum teaches it that he it means he davened Hakadosh Baruch Hu, he prayed Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And the Rambam interprets it that he called out and proclaimed the Kaddish Baruch Hu, which is in line with what he's saying. Um, so the Rambam also understands the Pasuk that the Pasuk makes a point to this. Another area where this is something which is, um, I guess, the the, um, the, the, the troubling in, 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 on a similar point, and that is. And that on the davening Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the focus of the davening is the recognition and awareness that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is one. Um, in the brachas that are a shevach of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, we never insert any bakashos. So chayna lechayim, which is an which is an insert by Gaonim. Um, the postkim labor belabor the point as to why it is that one is allowed to insert it. Why is it not a problem with uh, with the um, in, in, with the insertion of what appears to be bakasha into the sheva? And they all more or less try to explain that this is something that belongs um, in in the in over there. And, and be it as it may, it's sort of a, a later insertion. Um, the uh, but we have a v'chein tain, which is the an entire insertion in Atakadosh that is earlier, it's quite clear. It's it's in the Siddur of Amrugoyer and Masech Sofrim has it. It's quite clear that this is part and parcel of the Shmonesa itself, and this is not just a lo- one line of Zachin Lachayim. But it's it's a whole um, it, it, it's a whole long tefillah being mispalal that a kodesh baruch who should return malchus shemayim to the world and and uh, everyone should be makir malchus yisbarach. Why? I mean, it, it's out of place. So I think both of these um, have in themselves a um, they have in themselves a common point, and that is. We, for a person who is makir the emes, for a person who recognizes the truth for what it is, has trouble, or not has trouble, but is very disturbed when the emes is perverted. Um, we know it in ourselves when when we hear someone else tell over a story not true, and the story is not something which 
is of consequence to us or to anyone even. Someone tells a little story of a certain guddle that happened this place, that place, the other place, and we know the story, we know that it can't be this place, it has to be other place. We, we will go at length to correct the person, we'll be very, very annoyed. And the answer is because part of the hakar of emis, part of recognition of truth, is a certain repulsion at sheker. And, you know, the Oyev Hashem Sinura, and since HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence is Emes, being Maki HaKadosh Baruch Hu as Emes, being Maki HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the one in the world, forces us also, or pushes us also, to detest the perversion of that in the form of Odezara. And that's why it is a real amuna where a person firmly believes in the emiss of it, creates a tremendous um, need and urge to spread that word and to make and, and, and to write that the falsehood and to, and, and to proclaim the emiss in the world. And that's why it's part of Avram Avinu's recognition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as one that he needed to make the world flow into one. And the same thing is true with Asar Hashanah and Kippah. On the day when we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the one God at, at its profoundest, we are moved to say that we wait for the world to change and we and, and this, the, the tefillah for that change is really part of the recognition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu being Echot. It's one and the same. I want to add an, an, a, a point to it. It's not just that we have other people who are, um, you know, don't understand the MS. So long as there are many entities in the world proclaiming themselves or other things as gods, then that's a travesty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Echad. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Echad is being diffused in the world and comes across as many beings. It's doing sheker to HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, and that's why we have such a strong urge to set the record right and to make HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to proclaim HaKadosh Baruch Hu as one for the entire Bria. So the question now is, um, how do we do that? Um, it's, so we're, we're saying that part and parcel of our emunah in HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a need to make that emunah um, as wide as possible and as known as possible. Okay, so now the question is, um, not everybody is gifted, not everybody has the ability to do it, so um, what's the obligation upon us? So let's um, examine a, um, a concept which mentioned in some Sfarim, sort of Kabbalah type Sfarim, but it's a Medrash, and therefore we need to be able to understand it in words that speak to us. Chazal say it's a Medrash, Medrash Rabba, Memzayin Vayal Malavram, Malamit Sha'avas Hinehin Amerkava. It says that Akarish Baruch Hu, um, Akarish Baruch Hu went up from being on top of Avram, so to speak, which means Avram is the Merkava, the chariot for Akarish Baruch Hu. So there is a concept which in Chazal 
is um, called Ha'avas Hainan Merkava. In Kabbalah's firm, we have a lot more specifics that the four wheels of the chariot are Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and David. Those are the four wheels of the chariot, and they are Kodesh Baruch's chariot. What does that mean exactly? If it would just be in Kabbalah, we wouldn't have to trouble ourselves. But it's a Medrash. Medrash has to have some way to explain it in terms that are meaningful to us. Um, what, what does it mean? We are the chariots of Kodesh Baruch a similar concept about um, the the um, the, the the concept of um, it, 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 Baruch Hu coming down into this world. It says that when each generation sinned, Akadosh Baruch Hu went to a higher rakia, so to speak, escaped this world, the Shechina went up and up and up and then when Avram came it went down and down and down until Maimon Sinai and so on so there was the Shechina was Belyonim or the Shechina was Betachtonim it went up, it went down well, how, how do we ex- how do we translate the concept of Shechina being Elyonim, Tachtonim in a way that is tangible to some degree, to mean something to us so let's um, let, let's t- take a, an example from life and see how it plays out. Imagine a person is running some Kirov Center, and he's you know Kirov Center's uh, somewhere in Shalayim, which is very typically so, or somewhere else, and he schleps in a, a guy off the street who's never seen any Yiddishkeit whatsoever, nothing, totally totally alien, and he presents a whole spiel about the beauty of Shabbos, and one week, one day a week we abstain totally from anything, and that helps us testify about God, and brings the family together, and this and that. You don't talk about anybody behind his back, you don't say negative things, and that's such a horror, and this, and that, and this, and that. Um, what is, so, the, the person could very well buy into it, and um, believe it. But the one thing that we won't get out of a person is, if a person is somewhat of a um, thoughtful person, he is going to chalk it up to utopia. Um, there was an era when you had all these utopian authors who would, who would sort of sketch wonderful pictures of, of places that were structured in a way where everybody lived happily ever after. It wasn't so much that some of the ideas people didn't like, period. But many of those, when we dismiss something as utopian, what we're saying is it's beautiful in the world of ideals. It is irrelevant in the real world. People don't work like that. It's not workable because these ideas do not connect to physical reality. Um, So we have a whole framework of beautiful things that we see them as ideals and we negate the possibility of implementing them in this world and we say those are non-workable ideas. That is what one would call Shechina Belyonim. It means, yes, the good that's proclaimed and projected in the Torah is great and fantastic, it resides somewhere up there. It's part of a, a world of ideas that 
that that is maybe doable somewhere in a heaven without real human beings, without people who are physical, with cravings, desires, um, ambitions, jealousies, and so on. But let's say we take the same person and we bring him to a society that lives like that, to a community that lives like that. And yes, nobody works at Shabbos, and people try their best not to speak Lashon Hara. And, and people, there, and somebody needs something, the first thing is you provide it, then you think about how you're going to get it, how you're going to find money for it, and so on. And he sees it, then then uh, he sees people keep Taras and Mishpacha, and it's doable, and, and, and uh, everything else. Then the person slowly begins to acknowledge this as something which is part of our world, not only some ideal world that belongs in the realm of the theoretical slash spiritual slash idealistic, but not part of this world. Shechina betachtonim means that Akadosh Baruch Hu's Shechina, the ideals that are divine, as opposed to reality that is the physical world, those ideals cannot come into the world on their own. Just because HaKadosh Baruch Hu said it in the Torah, it does not make it part of this world. What's written in a Torah is something of a utopia. When people enact it, and the determination and consistency with which they enact it, despite obstacles, then it becomes real. HaKadosh Baruch Hu rides into this world on top of the back of the Ovos. The Ovos carry HaKadosh Baruch on their back into this world. The Ovos are physical beings whose body, so to speak, is physical, whose life is physical, and they piggyback HaKadosh Baruch Hu into this world. That's why the Ovos are Heine Lemerkava. That's also the sense of Shechina going higher up, so to speak, becoming distant from us, or becoming part and parcel of our world. It's not that people drop totally uh, Torah teaching, Torah understanding, whatever it is, but it just didn't, it wasn't part of reality. <laughs> and as the big tzaddikim came in, they brought this world back into the world that's real. That is the avoda of Adam to bring it in. So how do we do it? So let's quote, the, the, um, there's a Pasik that says in Vaischanon that it it, 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 um, it tells us that we have to obligate it to keep the Torah and so on and it says Torah is your wisdom it, 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 people come along and they say wow Jews are such a beautiful such a smart people um, and and they admire them. Now the question is, it's very hard to see where um, just because a guy does mitzvahs, why in the world would we consider that to be a? Why would we hero worship someone doing mitzvahs? It's hard to see that any real guy would look at Jews um, keeping mitzvahs. And wearing talis and tefillin, and saying, "Wow, this is brilliant!" I mean, it's not so brilliant. It's weird. It's strange. So, so what's the chachmas? 
So many of the Rishonim here, uh, Justice Rana, Ben Abichaya, Barbnel, they all say a very similar point. Um, I'll give a marshal for the point, and, but it's their point. Imagine we have somebody who is a phenomenally great doctor. And cases that everyone has given up long ago, he's an oncologist and he devises treatment plans for every single person. And amazing. People that are doctors him up for, he says, no, double the dose of radiation, decrease the chemo, and it works. And this person, the other way around, and this person do this or that, and the other, and, and he hits it on the head each time. So the person gets a great reputation, and we say, wow, it's fantastic. One, the 985th patient arrives, he, he checks him, the other doctor says, even a pope, he says, you know what? Um, I, would, I would tell you two carrot sticks dipped in olive oil every day. So we say to ourselves, we catch our breath, and we say, listen, this man is far ahead of everybody. His record has been for, for decades. He's been far ahead of everyone. And now he's obviously three steps ahead of everyone because he's come up with something that nobody else even doesn't even know what it's about. So this person really must be amazing, amazing. Second scenario. Somebody has zero record of curing anything or anybody. And somebody in the desperation who's suffering from, from, from uh, incurable cancer comes to him and he says, okay, two carrot sticks in olive oil every day. So we'd laugh at him uh, at best, or, or, or we would sue him or, or, or just whatever it is at worst. And um, we would say this person is a lunatic. He's a raving madman. The difference is, do you have a point of reference to go by? So they say, if Kalal Yisrael keeps their mitzvahs in a way, in the mitzvahs that are the understood mitzvahs, our word is a word. We're honest to a fault. We're kind. We greet everybody with a smile. We're positive people. We don't talk about other people. So when we put it on the film, they say, wow. I mean, what I see and I understand is amazing. So this is beyond understanding. This must be three steps ahead of the game. And, they, and, they, and, it, and it engenders tremendous respect. But if we cut every corner on things that are mishpatim, and that they are things that we can live with and understand, and, and, and yet we don't. So the things that are, that are unusual, they become a point of mockery. Um, if anything, they become a point of derision. You guys are hypocrites. You wear these long payas and these talas and films, and you cheat and lie and steal, etc., etc., etc. That becomes the other way around. So, um, our first obligation is to present ourselves as divine beings, meaning people who are godly. And people take note. They may or may not follow, but the biggest mashpia in the world is people who live Torah, starting with mishpatim, and then going on to chukim in a way that is a kiddush Hashem. Um, that is the the that's what it's about. Anything else is um, is any outreach kirv activity is is is. Um, secondary nature so the first point is yes, we are obligated as part and parcel of our belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
to um, to to bring about the change in the world in terms of Muna and so on. And we are um, the way to do it first and foremost in a way that is relevant to every person is to be extraordinarily meticulous about the world of Mishpatim. And then by doing the world of Chukim, we, we engender even greater respect and so on. Um, I, I want to just, as a side thing, bring a story that I once heard from uh, Ram Shua. And he said, um, it's a really beautiful marshal. He, he asked, how come Shogeg of is 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 Shogeg in every Avera takes away the punishment and Chil Hashem not. So he gave a marshal. He said there was once somebody, uh, a store owner in Jerusalem, who had a large shipment coming into Haifa port. Now, releasing stuff from Haifa port is a long and arduous process. It used to be at least with customs and this and that. And he calls in his worker and he says, Yankel, tomorrow morning you are up at the crack of dawn. You take the truck down to Haifa. You stand first in line. You apply to take out the shipment. You wait all day till they call you, and then they, they they'll, they'll they'll check it and they'll ask you this and that. And uh, hopefully, at that point, you will. Um, at, at that point, you're going to um, get it, and you'll come back at them. Now he says, "I have another favor to ask of you. While you're sitting there all day in Haifa, and you have nothing particularly good to do." How about visiting? I have an old aunt, Bashel, who lives in 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 Haifa. She's uh, she's an old friend lady, quite lonely. Jump in, tell her hello. Tell I asked for her. Send her regards. She'll really you'll get a big mitzvah. So that's sure, no problem. Sure enough, next day, Krakadon is off to Haifa. Comes back, and he says, um, and he says to him, uh, okay. Um, he comes back late at night. No, how's it? So he said, well, first of all, as he said, let me tell you, your Aunt Bashel is doing fine. She is frail, but she's in good health and good spirit. She, she sent you regards, was thrilled to have regards from you, and so on and so forth. Fine, the guy's very happy. He says, okay, where's the shipment? He says, oh my gosh, I forgot all about the shipment. He says, you idiot, I sent you for the shipment. This this going to visit my auntie was a very nice thing. It's it's like a, a side dropped it. What were you thinking? So he said, we have one mission in this world, and that's Kiddush Hashem. Anything else is secondary. So, what do you mean you're Shogeg? Shogeg means I was busy with X, which is more important. I overlooked Y, which is less important. Shogeg is a type of forgetting. I was busy studying Hilchas Shabbos with very, very Chomer, and I overlooked Hilchas Hashanah Rabbah, which is less Chomer, and so on. Fine. So, so, so that's where Shogeg comes into play. But you are showing on Chil Hashem, on Kiddush Hashem. What, what do you think you're here in this world for? The, the core mission of a person is to be Mekad Hashem Shemaim, and and therefore, um, and Chazal say that a person who sits and learns Torah, and he acts in two ways. It says he does business. Um, he's 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 honest in business, and he speaks nicely to people. Ma almost all. What do people say about him? Look at this person. Um, how wonderful his actions are, how wonderful his interaction with people is. Um, fortune is the person who taught this person Torah, and so on. That is the um, that's the first um, if, if order of of of, of Kirov that every single person is obligated and can do, should do, and is part and parcel of his core mission.
second part is uh, uh, is is when you do have a chance ever to talk to somebody when you have a chance to interact with somebody it could be a coworker it could be somebody who ends up at your Shabbos table. It could be a relative at a wedding. It could be many, many interactions. Baruch Hu, we live in open society, um, and very few people live in a very isolated life, and we do come across other people. And the question is, what do we say, and what do we do, and so on and so forth. So, um, let's take... Um, so Chazal say, it's a Medishrab in a few places. It says, Kol Hashem Bakoach. Um, a whose voice proclamation comes out bekoach. Um, the literal meaning in, in the in the in the in the in Tehillim is it comes out with force. Koach means a force. So Chazal say not with overwhelming force, but It's by each and every one's koach melamed that he was Akashrach was Nizgala to um the, to, to, to to the men could feed their strength, to children could feed their strength, Mu'ubaros could feed their strength, and so on and so forth. Chazal say Nidmelahem on the Yam, Keish Muhammad, on the on on Harsina like a Zokin. Akarajbaruchu appeared to each and every person Kefi what he could possibly be mekabel. Um, the, the Rambam, when he speaks about Rama Vino and how he reached out to people, he says, He would answer to each and every person as that person could understand. So that means when a person is addressing other people, his first question is, what is the other person's kibble? Revolver writes in, in one in, in, in Alishur that we use the term dati, meaning religious, in the following way. This person is a religious person, this person is not a religious person. He says it's not a very good use of the term. Religion is an inborn or an innate capability of perceiving a world that's spiritual and not just material. So just like the vast majority of humanity has an inborn capacity for music, whether we've actually realized it or not, and for art, and for many other things, structure, um, we have a kibble. We have something in us that is capable of perceiving, um, relating to things that are spiritual and not just physical. That's called the point of religion a person. And it varies. For one person, it is kindness, goodness. For one person, it is depth and understanding. For one person, it is total negation of physical self. Different people have different kibble. And the first question when I go to speak to a person is not what should I tell them, but what does this person... What is this person's kibble? Who is his religious self? My father, Chayyim once taught me this lesson. I was back in America when he was sick and dying, and 
I was there for a few weeks, and one day I was going to speak, going to speak in a community which was quite different Ashkafer than my than my Ashkafer. Been invited to speak, and my father asked me what I thought was, "What are you going to say?" And I launched into, um, you know, what, the things I'm going to say. And my father said, "No, you didn't understand my question. My question was, who are you speaking to?" The first question that a speaker needs to ask is, "Who am I speaking to?" Not what am I saying? It's like sometimes you have a good dancer and he and he's on a dance floor, and there's a husn or someone else he has to dance with who's not a great dancer. The first thing is you take his hands and get a sense of his rhythm and where he's going, and then if you're good at it, you go along with him. Um, you don't start dancing because two people dancing at different rhythms and different uh, ways. It just it's, it's it, that, that that becomes a travesty. You, you try to pick up him pick up his rhythm and then guide him to dance with the right uh, beat and so on the um, to to relate to a person I need to understand the other person I need to see a person in front of me to feel this person's spiritual cravings the, the expressions thereof the 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 thereof where it's coming where it's, and then I can begin to pour into his kibble that's the Pshat Navram went to each one of the Vidaita Shahad Vechat. So the the um the 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 who was the Fikochus Vechat, I would like to um I, I would like to give a um a, a, a different meaning to the word Bikoho. The Kolash Bikoch sounds like a Kadishpoch comes across with furious strength, with all of his strength. The word koach has strength. The word koach also means in Lashon Kodesh potential, ability. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes across HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes across to the ability of each one, to the potential of each one. What is his potential of Ruchnius? That's how you come across. So the second part of reaching out to many different people, people from different places, different worlds, is to understand that I first must see him as a person, I must relate to him as a person, I, I, I must be able to sort of um, touch base with him on his terms, quote-unquote, meaning what, where, where he can understand and work through there. I want to add a word of caution to this approach, which, you know, it's vital. There is something very important. The same Chazal says... Maybe you would think this is a Chazal, and this is a Medrash Rabbah by Matan Torah. Shema Elohus Harbeyesh. You might get the impression there are many gods, and, and, and the different messages are all messages because there are different gods and different truths and different Torahs. Therefore, it says Anoch Hashem There's only one, and that's a real trick. To be able to be steadfast in what's emis, and to find the ways to get that emis to that person. Someone who was very active in Kirov, and uh, you know, many times would sort of need to push the envelope, so to speak. Once spoke to me about reaching out very far to people, and I told him, "Imagine somebody's drowning far away, and he's deep in a lake or an ocean." So you need a very long rope to get there, and that's very true. But the longer the rope is, the longer the stick that you're stretching out is, the more firmly 
it needs to be anchored on the shore. Because there's no point in, in extending a very long stick that will send you flying into the ocean. You're going to lose two people that way. And the further out the stick is, the more leverage it has, and the more you need to anchor it very solidly. It's very, very important to understand that when you're... You, the Torah remains the same, yet you're able to give it expression that will speak to the other person. And as the other person begins to engage in Torah, he will start... He will be reeled into the shore. You're not creating an island for him out there. That's a very, very tough balance. It definitely is something that's more... It, it's a it's a it's a it's a real struggle for people that are professionally cure that this is their main function, but it's something to take note of in general as well. So let's sum up the points we've made here. We've spoken about pro- reaching out and and sort of projecting the truth of Akash Baruch being echot to the world, as being part of the core mission of a believer, and that's reflected in Avram, that he was belief itself, and therefore projected and and proclaimed belief because it's part and parcel. We do it Rosh Hashanah and Kippur when, we, when in, the, in, the, in, in the heart of our Shemun Esra we dive in the V'chein Tein Pachtecha V'chein Tein Kavod and so on and so forth. First and foremost obligation, fulfillment obligation is when our life of Mishpatim is the way it should be. Our life of a chok also becomes sold along with it. And that's relevant to every Jew, wherever he is. Part and parcel of his mitzvah of reaching out is that his behavior be admirable. Not just above reproach, but admirable. Secondly, in those cases where we have interactions with people, we need to be able to... Um, we, when we think about what the answer is, we don't think... we don't The first point is not what the answer is. The first point is who's this person? What's the good in him? Um, what's the spiritual in him? Let's start with that. Let me let me get my bearing side there. And then let me try from that vantage point to see how it is that um, we're able how it is I can bring Torah to him. And while I'm doing that I always need to be careful as much as I'm trying to bring it Torah into his language. But the content of the Torah needs to remain what Torah is.